All right, away we go. Is the camera a little crooked? I might have, I might have, I might have knocked the camera over a little bit, but here we go. There's no time to fix it now because it's showtime. Welcome back to the Damon Bruce Show. It is wonderful to have you here on Damon Bruce Plus this afternoon. It is great to have an NBA Finals game coming up tonight. I mean, come on. At best, at the very most, we have seven NBA games left this year. I already miss it. I start to get a little blue right before the NBA Finals tips off because I know it means it's all coming to an end soon. I hate when basketball season is over. But we got game one tonight, and look, the Nuggets, it's their first basketball game in more than a week. How this thing goes down, how it plays tonight. Wait, the camera is officially a little crooked. Hold on here. Hold on. Hold on. I think that's a little bit better. There we go. You know that they used to shoot, you know, the old Batman TV series with Adam West? Whenever whenever you see an episode of it, whenever they're shooting the villains... They always make the camera a little crooked to show you that the villains are crooked. So I didn't want to be crooked. I think we fixed it. Uh, Anyway, look, game one is tonight. I'm ready for it. Uh, I have made the prediction, and all it is is a prediction. It's not a guarantee of future results, but the prediction is officially. uh, We are looking at what I think is nuggets in five. I think that they should be able to handle Miami. How can Miami prevent that from happening how can Miami really win this series well Bam Adebayo has to outplay Jokic in an unbelievable fashion certainly defensively he has to be the best player on the court I think for Denver to basically win any game Jimmy Butler his job isn't just to play and outplay Jamal Murray his job is to outplay like three guys at once the Nuggets are not going to lose a single game in which both Aaron Gordon and Michael Porter Jr. are playing very well. I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, if they get full team effort, that's where Miami's just not going to have enough, I think, to keep up with that. Um, Spo has got himself a real dilemma here. And there's only really two ways to go about addressing it. I mean, number one, let's see if Caleb Martin comes down to earth or if he continues to establish himself as one of the best values in the entire NBA, that's going to be interesting. But Spoh's dilemma is real simple. Do you let Jokic get his and try to shut everything else out? Just turn him into someone who is smothered in the lane. He's got to kick out to an actual shooter who then misses that shot. Or do you try to actually defend Jokic probably get Adebayo in foul trouble while you're doing that, which the minute Adebayo is in foul trouble, man, I think the Heat are in trouble. How aggressive does Miami get with the full court press? How often are they dropping back into zone? Can they survive the series just playing man-to-man? I mean, this is why I love basketball. All the different matchups and options and the different flavors that each game will have unto itself if things start to turn in Miami's direction, and then if things are in Miami's direction, what is Denver's counter move? Again, the Nuggets have been the best team in the NBA all season, all regular season, all postseason, and I don't expect them to stop being the best team in the NBA now that it's the NBA Finals. Both of these teams are in a very special situation, extra special for Denver Nuggets fans who have never been in a situation where they're hosting any game, much less game one, 
of the NBA Finals. Miami Heat fans, look, this is one of the best-run franchises in the league. They are used to a level of success that Nuggets fans really can't even identify with. I got a ton of respect for the Heat. Again, the Jimmy and Bam era, pretty significant. I mean, they've been in three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals and to two of the last four NBA Finals. That's impressive. That is impressive. We'll see if they can actually hang a banner or if this won't be Denver's first time around. Uh, I got a lot of respect for both these teams, and I got no real dog in the fight. But I read something today that, you know, as much as I love Denver and my boy McBride, who I want to see him get an NBA championship, uh, I want to see Denver Nuggets fans who've been starving for this get a championship. Like, flip a coin, who would you rather win? I think I would rather see Denver win. Jokic has earned it. It will shut up all of the stat padding uh, that, you know, people who didn't like his MVPs have thrown at him. This guy isn't padding stats. He's kicking ass. That's what he does. Um, it is, though, a little hard to root for the Nuggets, though, when you consider their owner. Their owner is Stan Kroenke, and I saw an article in Forbes written by Bretton Knight who says the Nuggets owner, Stan Kroenke, oversees the world's largest privately held sports empire, six pro teams, an esports organization, a regional sports network, and the group of assets together was recently valued at $12.75 billion. Again, this is someone who is married into the Walmart empire. God, that guy is loaded to the first degree. Uh, from the Forbes article, Kroenke, who over the last 18 months has won titles with the NFL's Los Angeles Rams, the NHL's Colorado Avalanche, the National Lacrosse League's Colorado Mammoth. Did you know that? That was the Mammoth. Um, they actually have a shot to win another lacrosse crown later this week. So Stan Kroenke is in two finals at the same time. Obviously, the NBA finals is a tad more uh, impressive and relevant. But uh, impressive nonetheless. Uh, a Nuggets win could deliver a significant boost to off-the-court uh, value. Uh, again, this is a man worth $12.9 billion in just his sports properties alone. That number is up 21% from just one year ago. The reason why you got to kind of hate Stan Kroenke no matter what is because what he did to the city of St. Louis. He did to the city of St. Louis basically the same thing that John Fisher is trying to do to the city of Oakland. He just did it with actual money and political capital, will, and power, so things went smoothly. The bumbling John Fisher can't make that happen, and we'll get to him in just a second. But... Um, it, it, it's it's hard to root for Stan Kroenke, but I'm not going to hold Stan against the team. I'm not going to hold Stan against Michael Malone. And uh, I think the Nuggets take this one. I really do. We got a lot of people in the chat, and I got to tell you, uh, today is a great day here on the Plus because, as usual, I am honored to be in business with this gentleman right here. This is Ike of Ike Sandwiches, and if you haven't had an Ike Sandwich, I strongly suggest you get one. If not today, certainly this weekend. They are delicious. They're available. They are fantastic. And believe me, there is something there that is going to accommodate whatever taste in sandwiches you may have. Go get my buddy Ike to grab you lunch sometime soon. There's his actual logo that I put over his face of the actual cardboard cutout of my boy. 
Uh, here's another logo that I want to tell you about. This is the logo of Blackened Whiskey. You obviously see the sign when we get into Club Plus and we start interacting and reading all the chat messages. But um, I love me some Blackened Whiskey. There's no Blackened Whiskey in here today, but there will be Blackened Whiskey on the desk this Friday because we've got a couple Plucer birthdays to celebrate. I see you, Michelle Haberman. I see you, True Blue Forever. We are going to get to you tomorrow and celebrate your birthdays. Two original Plucers. If there were original Plucers, they would be among them. And there are original Plucers. And uh, we're going to celebrate your birthdays tomorrow. I can tell you that. Um, uh, w- one more, I guess, NBA note. Oh, no. Well, uh, no. Let me, let me tell you about Blackened. We'll be celebrating with a little Blackened whiskey tomorrow and toasting. And I suggest you pick yourself up a bottle. And in just a minute, I am going to proudly introduce our brand new sponsor. We have an official sandwich of the Damon Brew Show, Ike's. We have an official beverage of the Damon Brew Show, alcoholic beverage, uh, blackened whiskey, and now we have an official burger of the Damon Brew Show. Welcome aboard, Uncle Boys. It is wonderful to have this true San Francisco, small, family-owned business coming aboard and joining our team and what I want you to do, Plucers. And again, this is a reason why I love Ike. Because I know for a fact that this guy here, who is also trying to serve you lunch, is going to be the very first person in line to get himself an Uncle Boy's Burger and support another local business that is, unlike Ike's, a grown empire, there is one Uncle Boy's owned by a guy named John. It's on Balboa, uh, right underneath Arguello. So you can go over there, Balboa and 4th, I believe, is the address. And it is a delicious burger served by a true San Franciscan running a family business. And he's got a YouTube video that I'm going to share with you a little bit later on today on Twitter. And you have to watch it. You are going to want to support this man, this business. He is a true son of San Francisco. And beyond all that, let's just say he moved here from 1234 I'm Very Rich Street. The whole point is the cheeseburger is delicious. So get yourself an Uncle Boy's Burger and welcome again to our newest sponsor, Uncle Boy's. It is good to have you here. It truly, truly is. Let's go ahead and build a whole damn burger empire. Look out, McDonald's. Look out, In-N-Out. Look out, Burger King. We coming. Welcome, Uncle Boys. It is wonderful to have you here. Uh, Speaking of things going well and wonderfully, uh, Monty Williams, who got fired by the Phoenix Suns, is now the highest paid coach in the history of the NBA. He has just agreed to a six-year Seventy-eight and a half million dollar contract to be the next head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Let me tell you, seventy-eight point five million goes really far in Detroit. That guy, I think, can live in the governor's mansion for that price. So, congratulations to Monty Williams, who's an easy guy to root for. He's got an awful lot of talent on his team. He had a problem with his last big man. We'll see what he does with James Wiseman. Obviously, Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton had a very icy relationship. Uh, We'll see what Monty does with James Wiseman. 
and obviously all Warriors fans will be watching that out of the corner of their eye. Real speak uh, quickly, uh, speaking of the Warriors, you know, yesterday we did our big goodbye Bob Myers show. He talked about how worrying about the team uh, kept him up at night, right? Uh, I wonder how we slept last night. I hope he was well-fed, had a smile on his face, half drunk. Uh, I hope Bob had a great night's sleep last night. He certainly earns it. Let me uh, take a real quick sip of coffee. I have certainly earned that, if you don't mind me saying. Uh, Speaking of earning it, speaking of deserving it, last night, On CBS Sports Radio, I joined uh, the Zach Gelb Show. Zach is a talented young host. It was a pleasure to go on with him. And we talked about the Warriors, Bob Myers' departure. And we talked, of course, a little bit about the 49ers because it's the time of the year where I'm going to get more questions about Niners OTA than I'm going to get about the San Francisco Giants, um, who, by the way, are dark today along with the A's. But the A's are always uh, under a dark cloud because of their owner, John Fisher. And when asked about John Fisher, uh, I, not my words, CBS Sports's words, obliterated John Fisher. You can hear the soundbite for yourself. It's about 90 seconds long. It's all over Twitter. It's all over my timeline. It's been shared hundreds of times, thousands of times by A's fans who are realizing like, oh, Damon's not against us after all. I never was. I was just first to the truth. It was truth you didn't like. So, you know, a lot of A's fans backed the A's bullshit more than they wanted to hear the truth from Uncle Damon. So it was easy to cast me as the bad guy. And that's part of the setup. And this is something that I want to talk about today uh, when it comes to John Fisher here, because... Not only am I on to him, you need to be on to a business model that has officially turned customers against customer service to insulate billionaires from accountability. I've made, uh, well, every single day I'm sending myself notes and emails and memos about things I want to talk about, articles that I've read, and I prepare segments that sometimes I never even get to. I've actually had this segment since around the holidays when everyone was complaining about how Southwest airline customers got screwed over trying to travel throughout the holidays. And I truly wish I knew where an awful lot of the text I'm about to read you comes from because I want to credit its author, but I have lost the author's name. I have lost the accreditations, uh, the, 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 the magazine, the website's name, and I deeply apologize. I'm not trying to plagiarize or pass off. Anything is my own ideas here. This is written by someone else. I will be dipping my own thoughts in and out of it, but it explains what's going on over in Oakland, I think maybe better than I could. Um, the 90-second rant, by the way, on CBS Sports Radio, I stand by every single word. It was nasty. It was pointed. Uh, I did my best not to swear. I accomplished that over here. I, I don't accomplish that. I'm very free and happy to say fuck John Fisher over here. He really is, truly. And I wish I had included this in the 90-second rant to point out just how awful this human being is. Um, he's, you know, I, I, is there a good kind of billionaire? Yeah, there is. Is there a worse kind of billionaire? Absolutely, and John Fisher is among them. 
He's the worst kind of billionaire, not because he's trying to get over on any community or do brisk business with spending the least amount of money as possible. That's what smart businessmen and women do. That's what people in charge do. Looking for the best deal, the best opportunity, ways to improve. That's part of business. It's a part of business that the man has ignored to his own benefit. And what is the worst element of John Fisher is simply the man is unaccountable. He is unaccountable. He is unfindable. He is unpresent, not only to fans, to media, but I would love to hear the roll call of some of these very important Oakland meetings if John Fisher ever stepped into one of them or if he didn't just send his empty-suited emissary, his viceroy, uh, Dave Cavill. You know, if you're asking a community for $12 billion, you should pretty much show up and do it yourself. How could you trust a man asking for $12 billion but hesitant to even be in the same room as you? Zero appearances, zero interviews, zero accountability has ever been anything that John Fisher has had to deal with. He can't bother coming down from the ivory tower that his daddy built for him. He, he Forget about facing the music. This son of a bitch has never even faced a single note, much less an entire song of criticism or questions or any sort of examination into who he is, why he's behaved this way, and what he's actually done that is anywhere remotely around the truth or has it all been poison pill lies the entire time to me again look at what he asked for in oakland and look at what he's asking for out of las vegas in oakland building a new stadium was not enough to save the franchise he had to build a glass futuristic city around the howard terminal project the stadium was going to cost about one two billion dollars he needed nine 10 other billion dollars to build the city of Abu Dhabi around the stadium that no one ever wanted but him. But he said he couldn't do it without that. So he put in front of Oakland a number that is nothing short of the single largest private construction project in the history of the state of California. That's all. That's all he was asking for. To go to Nevada, though, to go to Las Vegas, all he needs is a stadium all of a sudden. He doesn't need to build a $12 billion construction project around his stadium. Now, all of a sudden, the man only needs a stadium. If he had ever approached the city of Oakland in that manner, he could have built three stadiums by now. He could have. So it's just all so disgraceful. I had prepared a segment that I never got to, but luckily I keep notes that I finally get to today. When I stow something away, I'm like, I'm going to need to shoot this arrow a little bit later. I'm going to put it back in the quiver and we'll, we'll be ready with it. Finally, it applies. I want to share with you, and again, I wish I could credit this to its author, to its origin point. I'm sorry, I lost that in the mix. This is going to talk about a bigger business problem and then I'm going to bring it back to John Fisher in the Oakland days. So be patient with me through this. I think you're about to learn something. I think a, a method of doing business that is happening right in front of your eyes that you are either a willing or unwilling participant in, 
I think I'm about to illuminate something for you that you might not have considered before. Or maybe you have because you're a really smart person, which is why you're in the plus anyways. All right, one sip of coffee and we're diving in. This is from the article. Again, I'm so sorry I can't credit who wrote it. The deliberate built-in ways big corporate bigwigs have hidden behind the concept of customer service. Customer service is now more set up to shield those on top of the ladder, executives, vice presidents, and large shareholders, than to actually provide service to customers. We now have a system that pits low-wage workers against each other in an inherently antagonistic relationship marked by powerlessness and frustration. There are three main ways customers and workers are pitted against each other in this relationship that we call customer service. Number one, the snitch economy has an awful lot to do with this. The snitch economy basically means as we are provided with more and more apps, websites, and customer surveys, we are not doing anything other than effectively doing the job of managing for absentee management, free of charge, of course. Under the auspices of empowering the customer, we're told to spy on low-wage servants and gauge the quality of their service with stars and tips and reviews. Uber, DoorDash, Grubhub, this new gig economy is the main offender of this. Uh, it's emerged that not only, mis first of all, they have not only misclassified workers as freelancers to pay them less, but then they hand over the reins of management to the customer directly. This increases the antagonism between working class consumers and the workers upon which they are snitching. Do you ever think about it like that? No matter what you do, no matter how poorly you're treated, give that person five stars. Give that person five stars because you are their HR review and who are you to screw over a low-wage worker who isn't being compensated or hardly rewarded at all for their times. Fight the power by giving everybody five stars and I feel like this is a good time for me to say hit that like button. So, number two, and this really doesn't apply to the A's, but it's part of a very interesting article, so I want to read it to you. So number one is the snitch economy where you're asked to be HR. Number two is automation, and I'll get through this quickly. Even getting to bottom-rung employees has become difficult. More and more customers are being pushed away from humans into automated systems that we're told will save us time, but instead exist solely to save the corporation labor costs. To cut down on unionized airport labor, many restaurants now use QR codes and require you to order food and drinks for yourself. Now, per usual, that is sold to us as some exciting new technology that is somehow good for consumers, but really... The basic technology behind all this QR code thing has been around for 30 years. It's just a screen, but it's not a screen that the restaurant pays for. The screen is now your own phone. 
And it's just a screen, the same ones that restaurants have had for decades. The only thing that has changed is the social conditioning of having you do all of your own ordering and menu navigation. The waiter hasn't been replaced by an iPad. The waiter has been replaced by you. Think of it like that. Now, during, you know, COVID times, the QR code thing became a convenient way to help social distancing. And, you know, we didn't want to, oh, my God, did somebody else touch that menu? I can't possibly touch that menu and also live. You know, it was ridiculous. But how many restaurants are staying with that? Too many. And again, it doesn't exist for your convenience. It exists now to replace labor with your effort but oh we love our phones and we love so we just we just again we've been socially conditioned to think differently now again these really aren't elements that are directly attached to john fisher and how the a's do business but the third element first is the snitch economy second is automation and the third element is where John Fisher hangs his hat. Deliberate understaffing. A major culprit in the Holiday Southwest Airlines meltdown was understaffing. Running parallel with increased use of automation, cost-cutting corporations are gutting staffing to its bare bones and hoping their corporate competitors will just go along and do the same. And that will lead to a shift in the customer's willingness to put up with substandard service and conditions. Have you ever heard an automated recording say, we apologize for the wait? That's what the phone prompt tells us. Of course, a machine can't be contrite, so the effect is both surreal and it's grating. You're not sorry. You can't be sorry if you don't exist, if you're a pre-recorded sorry that everyone gets. You're a recording. So now who am I actually yelling at? Well, the person who then follows up that recording and picks up the phone, you get to yell at them. We're not just increasingly alienated from our labor and social networks, but from our enemies. We can't get mad at the corporation that's delayed our flight or overbilled, which is just a fancy corporation word for stolen, you know, four or five hundred dollars from us, whatever it is. We can't remove a life-saving medicine or, you know, the corporation removed a life-saving medicine from our insurance or erroneously reported us to a collection agency, ruining our credit because we can't actually talk to anyone to actually get mad at. They've built up walls such that the only way to actually contact them is to retain an attorney and sue them. And even at that point, you're really only contacting the attorney. And that is what John Fisher has done. He has so isolated himself from any feedback, any criticism. The only person he talks to are boot-licking yes men and women that he employs, but he is not present. Look at it this way. Uh, the two like most respected journalists here in the Bay Area, let's just you know call them Tim Kawakami, Bruce Jenkins, some of the best sports journalists we have here. Anthony Slater, Susan Slusser, 
They aren't even allowed to talk or interview John Fisher. He denies every request. He has built a wall of insulation to where all the anger, all the questions, legitimate, illegitimate, whatever, they can't even get to him. If he seems like he doesn't care, it's because he doesn't. And he's created that private fenced in community around his own business, his own self, and you can't get to complain to the person who's in charge. It's by design. Talk about understaffing. John Fisher hasn't just gutted his game day stadium staff. He's taken it to the next level. He's gutted the actual team and roster as well. Raising prices, who do you have left to complain to? The customer service rep? They, they probably employ two of them at this point over there. Who are you going to complain to? It'll never be John Fisher. That's the way he set it up. He can't even stand up and do an interview. It's by design. It's all by design. To just quickly wrap up this article, which I just thought was illuminating and very interesting. All of this toxic brew of mutual antagonism, customer satisfaction, is now at a 17-year low. The only human face people can take their frustration out on is a low-wage worker. Obviously, there's never an excuse to yell at anyone in customer service. The point is not a moral one, though. It's by design. It's by design. Who can you yell at at the airport when something goes wrong? The poor man or woman behind the counter who has nothing to do with how any airline is run. That is a low-wage hourly worker designed to be the person you yell at, not anyone actually making real money, a CEO, a president, a VP, a shareholder. It's all by design. Corporate executives very much want you to vent your frustration on their low-wage workers. This is the way you get a vague feeling of agency and control in a system designed to remove any and all forms of agency and control from you. I want to take you back to a Dave Cavill tweet from years ago. When 95.7 The Game, a station that I was the afternoon drive host on, who I would like quintuple the ratings of the Oakland A's, just me talking into a microphone. I would destroy, look at it this way, I destroyed Giants ratings. So destroying A's ratings was easy. Remember when the A's left 95.7 The Game? Dave Cavill tweeted, as they were moving their equipment out of that studio, which games were run from, it's not us, it's you, or something like that. Something to that regard. They made it look like it was the station's fault. When the truth was, it was the team that did not live up to its end of the business deal. But instead of taking any accountability... They built a wall. They pointed their fans to take out their frustration on me, my former station, the host, the PD. It was everyone else's fault 
but the A's that the A's were a cataclysmic business failure. Couldn't be the A's fault. Couldn't be John Fisher's fault. Couldn't be Dave Cavill's fault. It was the station's fault. In this example, the station represents the low-wage hourly worker that was easy to yell at because you couldn't get to John Fisher to yell at him. So the fans got to yell at the station. They thought it was the station that had done them wrong when really it was Fisher and Cavill's business practices all along. There was a guy who heard my John Fisher rant on CBS Sports Radio, retweeted it, and basically said, you know, hey, true A's fans don't even like Damon, but he's spot on with everything he's saying here. The truth is I have been spot on with everything I've been saying about the A's bad business practices for more than a decade now, but it was easier to kill the messenger than it was the guy writing the message. So that's why an awful lot of A's fans in the mob mentality that runs Twitter, we said, oh, well, screw you, Damon. You never liked the A's. You shit on us all the time. You No, look, I was in business with the A's. And the minute you get into business with the A's, you realize what a bunch of absolute snake oil monorail salesman charlatans they truly are. So Nevada, Nevada, proceed with caution. You are getting into business with the worst owner in the history of North American sports, and when you turn around and you want to ask him questions, he's not even going to be there. Consider this your warning. You only get one. As I said earlier, both the uh, Giants and the A's are dark today. A day off for both teams. Giants got the Orioles coming into San Francisco for a weekend series starting Friday. The A's got a nine-game National League road trip starting Friday as well. I'm sure it'll go great in Miami, Pittsburgh, and Milwaukee. Uh, One interesting note is that uh, when the Pirates were here this past week, uh, outfielder Jack Swinski took two balls into the drink in the same game in the seventh and the ninth inning of Monday's 14-4 loss to the San Francisco Giants. You know, everyone was looking at, wow, the Giants scored 14 runs. That's awesome. What Jack Swinski did, though, in that loss was get two balls wet in McCovey Cove. He's just the second player in baseball history to hit two home runs into the drink, the other being Barry Bonds. So that's a pretty cool list for him to be on. And before we get into uh, Club Plus today, I just want to share with you the single creepiest thing you're going to hear all day long. 82-year-old Al Pacino is now expecting his fourth child with his 29-year-old girlfriend, who is gorgeous. She took the deal. She took the pipe. And now she's got a pregnancy, which I'm sure is going to pay her very well throughout that child and her life. I can't believe Al fell for that okey-doke. Let me tell you right now, there is nothing your 29-year-old girlfriend loves about your 82-year-old dong. How can a 30-year-old, and I'm rounding up for her, relate to an 80-year-old, and I'm rounding down for him? Oh, well, love is blind. Yeah, and it obviously has lost its taste buds, too. That's disgusting. I'm a 48-year-old man, 
I don't even like seeing myself naked. Good Lord. Can you imagine what 82-year-old Al Pacino looks like naked? I can only imagine how much Viagra and Cialis they got to pump into him. Robert De Niro just did this too. And people are like, oh, isn't it these great that these guys are doing that? No, it's not great that you're basically putting a child on earth that's going to have a father guaranteed die on it before it's 10 years old. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's not good. So there you go. There's your creepy message of the day beyond the creepy messages that you can never even get to John Fisher. We do have game one of the NBA finals tonight. I'll be enjoying that. I hope you are ready to enjoy it too. I'll be doing a little pregame with a lot of music involved on the AMP app starting at 4 o'clock this afternoon, so you can join me over there for more. You can join me in Club Plus in just a moment, but if you're tuning in on the podcast today, thank you so much for tuning in. It was great talking to you, and please do remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it. And like that, he's gone.